0: So we're gonna like share a little bit about um, you know being together, uh, having bikunis and bhikkhus and lay women and lay men, and we've been having a wonderful uh, past five or six days at the Hermitage uh, discussing dhamma and working in the forest and and it's been um delightful and it's we've been able to get into some pretty deep and inspiring areas of conversation i would say you know really talking about our lives and our experience um how we view things And I think constantly coming back to the themes of how we do our work and the practice in in the path, and how can we support each other, remind each other of how to turn towards our own experience, recognizing that the things that affect us externally from the world are never ending we're not going to really fix all of that out there but what we can do is really observe observe our own feelings our own mental processes and work work with those in a way that really brings freedom so it's one of the things that i felt was coming up over and over again in the last week and I thought maybe it would be nice for each of us to share a little bit about our experience and then open up the conversation and see if people have questions. One of the things that we've been talking about, uh, because, you know, in this group, we've been talking about things like gender discrimination and gender identity. And when we were talking about, well, what do we call this? I mean, the Buddha talked about the fourfold assembly. And in more recent times, the word Sangha has been used more frequently to talk about uh, collecting together as Dhamma friends or, or um, with Dhamma practitioners, with their teacher or whatever it is, as Sangha. So now the fourfold Sangha. Well, fourfold might not quite cover it all anymore because the Buddha, you know, his, his world was divided into male and female and monastic and lay. So, we decided maybe the best dis- way to describe our um, collective is the twofold Sangha monastic and lay. <laughs> and the reason, you know, I look at the way the Buddha taught and what he wanted for everyone is a place in the sasana, a place in this um, path and practice that, as human beings, we have kind of um, in our birthright, I've heard the way this, some of my teachers have talked about it, the, the basic ability to awaken all, everything we need is right here, you know, using the framework that the Buddha identified and the reality of the Dhamma, which is ever present, to be able to develop our own mind. develop our own character in a way that leads to complete peace and freedom from suffering. And so, if everyone has a place, then our description of all of us together needs to include everyone and have that open and welcoming for everyone. Um, It reminds me... hmm, there's a Christian church in San Francisco called Glide Memorial. And I went there once with some other bhikkhunis and friends and the, the minister and his wife who started the church happened to be there. They're retired. They've retired quite a while ago, but they were there that day and he spoke and I have never heard anyone speak with so much inclusion and love for everybody. It feels like you know you can see this in people in the world, regardless of their tradition, and this is what I hope we can all um, really take in and and practice—that we really do have that kind of love for all beings. And so that's been a nice feature of this past little period of time and seeing that the twofold assembly is alive and well <laughs> thriving and and investigating and practicing working towards um ever more peace and freedom. That's my two cents. Banti you want to be next?
1: Uh, sure. Okay. Um yeah this is a uh the fourfold or twofold or manifold or whatever you want to call it this framework um was very important to the buddha you you can see um quite clearly in the suttas that you know the when uh the buddha becomes awakened and mara comes to him and says okay you're awakened okay you can you can go parinibbana go away don't stick around (laughs) because he obviously mara doesn't want the buddha to teach the dhamma to people to have other people be awakened. And so the Buddha said that um I will not go to parinibbana until there are um you know both men and women lay people, men and women monastics who are learned, um scholarly, practice well. Right? And so this is this is um you see it in this one sutta where it's the same. It's the same qualifications for monastics and lay people in that. Like so, the lay people are also supposed to be learned and practicing well, and all these kind of things. But you see this. So the Buddha wanted this group, this twofold assembly, whatever assembly, to be the, the practicing well and learned group that keeps the teachings alive. Right. That brings it. it it's the vessel that keeps the teachings down through, oh, okay. that keeps the teachings alive down through the ages, and this is why it, it's so important, you know, <clears throat> this is, uh, uh, as somebody who, you know, I, I became a bhikkhu, and, and uh, I had never actually met bhikkhunis before, it wasn't until we actually met, well, we, we met at the monastic gatherings, this is like 2018, or something like that. That um, I actually was in the same room with Bikunis. I was like, "Oh yeah, this is like the full assembly is here. <laughs> you know, this is this is how it's supposed to be." Um, and this is one of the reasons that I like to go spend uh, you know time with Bikunis is because you get a you get a different perspective on how to live a holy life, right? And so so it's really good to kind of hear how things are done, and and it's very um, kind of enlightening. To, to hear that and, and how that impacts your own path. But it, it's so important that you know, we have this, this group because this group is the way that the teachings survive. And this is, you know, I have a, an online community and, and uh, we have both bhikkhus and bhikkhunis, right? And we have all kinds of, when we get together and we can do the suttas together, I always make a point and says, ah, the assembly is here. We're all together because this is, it's important so that we understand that this is how the teachings survive. And this is why it was so important to me that the bhikkhuni order was revived in Theravada because it's it's not quite the, my view is that you can't really have Buddhism without monastics and you can't have a full assembly without bhikkhunis. And so we need the full assembly to have that, um, that full group that uh, can keep the teachings alive. And so that the people who, you know, when you come to a place like America, and you know, where I'm from Bhavana Society, used to have bhikkhunis years ago before I moved there. But, you know, they come to the retreats and the, um, you know, the women would say to Bonte, where's all the bhikkhunis? I'd say, well, I think they're mostly in California. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've heard tell of like one or two on the East Coast, but I think they're mostly in California. You know, and, and I could feel like there was that kind of lack there. They, you know, there's like, well, where are the bhikkhunis? Where are their voices? Um, and uh, so anytime the fourfold or the manifold, twofold assembly can come together is a good thing. Yeah. It's good for the Dhamma and keeping it alive into the future.
2: Yeah, thank you, okay. Bye kind of want to pass <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to I mean, say anything right now it's okay. yeah I, I think for me the only real um, thing that resonates for this kind of topic is that this is for everybody and gender is so um I don't want to say pointless but kind of meaningless when you're talking about making progress on the spiritual path so yeah this is, is such a nice um opening I think to to have more inclusivity, like twofold is nice, just lay monastic. We know a lot of monastics who are are kind of non-binary and they kind of discovered this after ordaining. So it's it's nice that they can use that framework for themselves too. It's like, oh yeah, monastic, don't have to pick. And I was talking to Xander this morning about how in Thailand, when you go fill out forms, it's like man, woman, monastic as a gender. So you don't even have to pick because Kind of a non-gender. After a while, it will kind of the the monks look more feminine. After a while, they get softer and gooier, and then the the bikunis look more masculine. After a while, sometimes forest monastic, you know, <laughs> majestic, you know? <laughs> where's my chainsaw? You know, so it's kind of it's nice. She always knows where
0: her chainsaw is. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah so
2: it's really sweet that we we don't have to even think about it really um in terms of making progress on the path and it's a big deal lately i think people are really learning a lot about themselves and it's good it's good inquiry it's good breaking down kind of seeing through what we identify with and hopefully yeah seeing through everything the whole not self problem. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Good enough. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Thank
0: you. <clears throat> so, on the lay woman end of things, would you like to say something, Sarah? <laughs>
3: um, yeah, I mean, as talking about like um, how like the barriers or the walls of gender and um, how these fall down in order for us to be able to experience the Fourfold Sangha. Like I've been interested in also observing how other barriers for people to know about the Dhamma are also falling and I was very inspired uh, living in Mexico in a monastery there to see like more and more the language barrier is falling down and the cultural uh, barrier or the geographical kind of, I don't know if calling it a disadvantage for Buddhism to enter into Latin America, but it's um, kind of a little by little opening. So we have our first Bikuni monastery in Costa Rica, and there's these two places, two monasteries in Mexico. So it's very interesting like how Um, When these walls start to fall, like, it opens the door for far more people to get to know the Buddha's teachings. So, yeah, happy about that.
0: Mm -hmm. Holding down the layman um, (laughs) point for the next 10 minutes at least. (laughs) You want to tell us anything, Sam? i'll explain that comment if you don't
4: (laughs) oh oh, go ahead please (laughs) yeah well uh, i just arrived to karuna buddhist vihara on april 3rd after coming back from a abayagiri for uh three months um, which is a like a thai Thai forest male uh, monastic community in uh, northern california um, which i uh, asked for anegaric Anag- coordination there, um, before he came here. And yeah, I just, I really, I've been wanting to, the IAS came and visited when I was in, he came and visited Seattle in, in August, right? maybe. So, July, something like that, I mean, July, so like it. that. yeah. And I was very, <clears throat> very touched um, and, you know, very affected by IAS Antisica's uh, DAMA talks, um, and I've been trying to visit ever since <laughs> and, um, yeah, since I'll be going forth in May, this was kind of like my last chance before I go home for a couple of weeks and come back to a to, to start that training. Yeah. And I've, um, yeah, I'm so grateful I was able to have this chance to, to do that. Um, yeah, right when I walked in uh, to the, to the Vihara, I, you know, I, I think had I chitanando was just, you know, piling wood onto a burn pile and I just joined in and we started talking and I just, it didn't take very long before I just started to feel this, you know, kind of like release or relief of um, letting go, just feeling like I'm in this, was, this in, was in this environment with um, the eyes that's a very kind of non-judgmental, loving, open, caring place, and also being able to kind of put my guard around by, you know, not, sometimes I feel like I have a guard up about when I'm all men, I guess, and this has kind of been a topic that we've talked about. Um, yeah, and it's been just a really great experience to. Something about the eye is just, you know, my heart just opens up, I guess, and I'm able to, I feel like I'm able to receive the Dhamma in very easy and, easy and kind and, a gentle, gentle way, it really touches a very deep, deep part of my heart, I guess, um, it makes me want to practice and, yeah, commit, commit my, commit myself to, to this life and, yeah, to know that there's, um, there's women practicing and, you know, all genders practicing and, yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful thing that's happening right now here, I think, in, in the last with, uh, Buddhism and Buddhist monastics, and, and I'm happy to, to be a part of it as a lay person and as soon as a monk, hopefully. So.
0: So, yeah. well, it, <clears throat> it strikes me that we're really covering a lot of different kinds of diversity here. So I'm 69, and Xander and Anagarka Sarna are around 22, 23. Mm-hmm. Right, on, right on the 23. <laughs> well, we got some things in the middle happening. <laughs> and then we've got different ethnic backgrounds which is also nice and as everyone's talking i'm thinking about how important it is that we all have people we can look to that have we can relate to and how important it is for all of us lay and monastic to be practicing and and you know when we are doing our own practice and we're seeing the fruits of that then that's effective, that's, that's a, a beautiful kind of thing to show up in the world because other people who can look to any of us, any of us all meeting here today and see that development, that they, they can be inspired and encouraged for themselves. We had some conversations about this, like, you know, how do I help my parents, um, you know, get on the path, that kind of thing, or, or develop. And really, it's always best for them to see how the practice affects us or anyone in our life, you know, when people see someone moving from, you know, patterns that have been painful and difficult to more peace and resilience and you know the those those ways in which the practice brings relief into our life then they have this opportunity to investigate for themselves and it's really been Interesting in particular, I think, for me and some of the conversations that have happened over the past few days to see how important it is to remember that it's not just someone telling us what it's like or telling us about the Dhamma, but we have to bring the Dhamma inside and really let it work in the background in our own hearts and our own minds, and then. We have to kind of complete the story ourselves. Um, No matter how much someone who's already walked the path says, it doesn't really take a life on in us until we bring it in and let that mature in ourselves. Even the Buddha said that he can only point the way. So I think it's, It's an interesting kind of um, mixture of influence from others who are who are practicing and developing and sharing what they're learning and experiencing and our own inner work and our own responsibility. So having kind of thrown all this out there. I would really love to hear any comments or questions, and you're welcome to ask questions of any of us and um, just feel free to um, to add into this
2: conversation. Yeah, Grace. I have a question.
3: Um, this is inspired
5: by something that uh, Monte Jay said about uh, gaining from the perspective of bhikkhunis that perhaps a Biku could not offer if you could speak more about that and then also to the Ayas, if there's something that you
6: can gain from Bikus that you couldn't from other bhikkhunis I'd be very curious to hear about that too
0: thank you Grace could you hear her uh, uh, out there in the world yes yeah. you can hear okay great thank you
1: uh, well I think it's I'm trying to think of like specific examples. Um, I think it's related to different personality traits and different ways of kind of flowing through the world, right? You know, um, whereas like, I can kind of have this kind of like, very like masculine, like energy and like, kind of like, pounding through the world sometimes. And so,
0: <laughs> he does kind of pound. Yeah,
1: you, know, <laughs> you know, to kind of uh, kind of feed off of that, um, you know, to see that different way of doing things. Um, you know, and I, I have been actually, uh, just in, in general, I've always been aware of, of how differences there can be is, you know, I, I, grew up with two sisters and most of my friends in life have been women and my careers were all, you know, it's like a hundred women in the office and me and three other guys. So, so it's always been like, um, a experience of like a con of contrast and, you know, it's a, in there's, if I can see a way of improving myself and somebody else, that's quite different from me, um, then. You know, I I try to take that on and, and see how um, you know that uh, that advice or that uh, that role model for that can be beneficial to me. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm a loud mouth um, from New Jersey who <laughs> walks really heavily, so
7: <laughs> so
1: I try to you know train myself to be walk less, more lightly, and and you know speak more peacefully and things like that. Yeah.
2: <clears throat> <clears throat> yeah, I think for me, the thing that stands out really is that the monks' lineage that we like to practice in the most, like we've got most of our experience from the Thai Forest tradition, and they have such a long history and so much experience mm-hmm. that we can go to Ajahn Pasanil for almost anything monastic questions we have about the training, about how to work with people that come. Um, he's he's just like such a wealth of experience and information and I can say that about a lot of other monks from his generation too and even like Ajahn Yanako, the current abbot at Abayagiri I feel like he's such a good big brother for me. He's, he's really steeped in the tradition but he's um, very open minded and more like like my generation so I can relate to him and and there's the experience so that's like the main thing for me I don't know that all of the like gender kind of related qualities matter so much Mm -hmm. for me it really is like the experience um for practice and and practicality (laughs) to how to run a monastery how to Mm -hmm. help people so I think that's.
0: It was so cute when um, we got the hermitage property, Ajahn uh, passed all these books on building and electrical wiring and all this stuff, <laughs> I
7: had to put that, <laughs> like, <Thanks>. work nun, <laughs>
0: work monk, from a work monk to a work nun, <laughs> it was really sweet. I was thinking exactly the same kind of thing, yeah. the, the depth of the bhikkhu tradition has, it's really important, and, that, and the depth of scholarship too, like having bhikkhu bodhi, he just wrote to us that he's coming to visit in California, and we're going to hope to have him visit the hermitage, he hasn't seen it yet, and mm-hmm. you know, its it's been so beneficial to have monks who are supportive of the Kunis and really want us to develop in the training and so there's that um yeah like you I'm kind of not so sure about actual like more masculine um or maybe you know I mean men and women do operate differently I guess it has been interesting for me to observe how the the male Sangha and the monks relate to each other and how the female Sangha and nuns relate to each other. And again, I'm not trying to be so, so binary, but it's, it's to look at these groups and how we're different in a, in a more general way. Of course, there's definitely a wide range of, of how, you know, individuals are, but Living in larger communities of women like I did at Amaravati and Chidhurst, I really saw how um, different women handle problems with each other and also they're incredibly nurturing and so like I got sick and you know there were 10 nuns in the community and I had 12 remedies on my nice because everybody was bringing things to take care of me and it was like wow this is so beautiful. Um, and there can be a real closeness uh, a kind of a closeness that you often don't see in men in men's communities, I think. But there also can be some really serious breakdowns. Uh, in, when women aren't getting along, it can be really hard because we're so tuned into other people's feelings that you know you really are affected. You, you have to develop an ability to let it not be not be too um, to not be entirely porous and <laughs> let it let it really affect you. Whereas you know I've seen. And, and I have monks who are friends who have talked about, um, you know, their own um, challenges in being able to have close friendships with other monks and, you know, sometimes living in communities where they don't even know very much about each other at all and they don't really talk to each other, which, you know, it's like, then they'll feel um, a bit isolated and things like that can happen. So it's just, you know, hoping to bring all of these differences into into focus within the dhamma and understanding how we can develop and work with the the qualities that we have for for the benefit of our practice and for the benefit of the people around us.
1: Somebody else coming up.
2: Yeah, it's Lynn
0: already. She's on the way. Yeah. Anybody else have any questions or comments?
7: Uh, Holly? Yeah.
5: Well, this is a wonderful uh, sharing. It's really, really makes my heart feel so glad. Um, I have vacillated back and forth between masculine and feminine my whole life and rarely felt like I could relax about it. And I learned a lot uh, about Buddhism in my own practice in association with Pacific Hermitage, John Sedanto's project in White Salmon. And that was really excellent. And I remember the first time I sat down for a Tuesday evening meditation, I finally relaxed and thought, ah, oh, now I've found a spiritual home and I can just relax. And It just felt so good. And then over the years, over a decade, it wasn't quite all I wanted because there were no women. And I spent 20 years in the lesbian community on communes and what all doing chainsaws and, you know. And <laughs> I, I've just I vacillated back a between what would be called masculine and feminine? I really don't want to care about it. I was raised just to be me. I don't need a label. So to have this kind of assembly emerging is just like I'm there, I've arrived, I've got a community around that doesn't. I love the idea of the twofold assembly because then we just cannot stop, we can just stop worrying about it. It's like the whole thing about gays and lesbians getting married. So two people love each other. They want to get married. Is is there a problem? <laughs> <shouldn't get> <laughs> so hopefully we could just make it not a problem. We have a twofold assembly, um, and uh, that's all we need to know. <laughs> thank you so much for being who you are, and presenting yourselves to us today.
8: Yeah. Thank you, Holly. Neil.
9: Hmm. I'm not sure I'm going to express this properly, but I've I've really enjoyed listening so far. And um, I've just, it's got me wondering, it seems to me that my understanding is that our personalities are all of our traits are really um, the results of our karma uh years you know thousands of years of of accumulated comma and isn't gender just another one of those and mm. and um and so if we can you know for some reason now i'm thinking of Angulimala. you know he had this all this horrible comma but he was able to transform his mind to the point of enlightenment and so in a way and i don't know if this is going to be the right use of the phrase uh the middle way but in a way aren't we all sort of trying to um expand our minds that's not the right word but to 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 get to a place where all of that sort of gets left behind yeah. Include, including gender mm-hmm. and um i don't know i just wanted to throw that out there just because that's what i'm feeling in the moment and i wanted to possibly disabuse myself of something that maybe isn't a right way of thinking or maybe get some confirmation that it's a right way of thinking well i think you really said the same
10: something similar yeah. going beyond
0: it yeah 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 I think matter. I think you're very much in line with what I was talking about and it's true you know like you know this Buddhist statue it's really interesting it's like first of all it's ethnically ambiguous which is really attractive to us and if you look from one direction it looks more masculine and you look from the other direction it looks more feminine and it also resembles Ayat a fair bit, which is really cool.
7: <laughs>
9: <laughs> and if you look, if you look straight on, you, it doesn't look either, or it look not even both. It just looks yeah. like a human.
0: Yeah, and and so like I know that I've been bringing up this non-binary thing, and I don't mean to make it a a, a big focus, but I think what you're exactly saying is right. We we want to really look at the qualities of of dhamma in us and of quality the qualities the challenges and everything that comes up in ourselves and in life and how do we use it how do we use all of it um, as a way to really see how we can be happy and at ease we can be loving and kind we can be wise and and, and discerning about you know, what's okay, what's not okay, have boundaries, care for each other, you know, all of those things, and, and really make, open the doors, I mean, when the, when the Buddha said, you know, the doors to the deathless are open, you know, this is, this is what we need to do again, and again, and again, for each other, and for ourselves, and to know, you know, we talked about belonging last week, or feeling like we don't fit in, and, Like, how can we just find the ways that we can make that a (laughs) non-issue? And that's what I think you're saying. How does this become a non-issue? I think it comes because we really care about each other. You know, as you are. As we are. Knowing that we all have things to learn. We're working on it. We all make mistakes, that's okay. It's how we that's how we learn. That's that's going to be natural. We all have these patterns like you said. How many millions of lifetimes the Buddha said there's no discoverable beginning. That's pretty hard to fathom. But and and that we don't have to work through all of that karma. We just have to see the truth.
9: Thank you, Neil. Yeah. Um, yeah, the key word that you used that I liked is beyond. It's, you know, we need to get beyond all of it. Mm-hmm. And I, I do have to make one other comment, and this is probably the comma of my wicked sense of humor, but I'm really enjoying Bonti J's hat.
1: <laughs> yeah. I just noticed this as I was talking as well. Yeah. I,
9: said, I think we have similar
1: senses of humor, <laughs> I just like, I I I'm like, you know, I have a head, a flower head, yeah.
9: <laughs> uh, and I, I I have to say I noticed it on Wednesday night, except it was um on a was wearing it.
5: Festive, yes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Take a break here. Lynn, can you hear us? Come in. Come in, please. Come in. Please. Please feel welcome to come on yeah. in.
2: Grace got you a seat ready.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you got your spot right here.
10: <laughs> um,
7: yeah. <laughs> Any other? Um,
10: yes, Vita. Uh, when we were discussing all this, just a thought came in my mind imagine a world where we are just not able to see ourselves but everybody else and then the whole thing of the self is gone and the male and the female and any other gender is gone and it's like and then this this all superficial thing is gone and we can go so deep in our um non-self world yeah so it was a beautiful imagination i just had beautiful
0: thank you yeah, it reminds me of um, something Xander played for us the other night. We were talking about Master Wah, the um, the, the teacher and leader of the uh, community that's at the City of Ten Thousand Buddhas and Berkeley Buddhist Monastery. Yeah, come on in, Lynn. You, if you want to sit on a cushion, you can, or you can use a chair or whatever yeah, is good for now. you. Just how chair. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Anyhow, Xander was talking about these. Um, do you want to tell us about it any Xander? Which part? The the Master Wa talk, the part I was thinking of was when um one of his disciples, Marty, was talking about um One of one of his disciples in this in this video clip one of his disciples was talking about how when he came to master Wa's community he was really testing to see if master wow was the real deal and how he would like watch him is every move to see is you know when someone sends an envelope is he going to open it up and see how much money is in it or is he you know does he care about any of that or does he care about the food and, and all this kind of stuff and and, they, and one of his final comments about his investigation and observation of Master waz it's like, I think yeah. he said, it's like there's nobody there.
7: Mm-hmm.
0: And I've heard people say that about Ajahn when he was alive, you know, it's like nobody's there. And it's, it sounds so much like what you're saying, Nita, you know, like, what if we don't see ourselves? And, you know, and it feels like those people who have gotten to that point of real mastery of the Dhamma are just entirely selfless and available to um, to others and they do they do have an awareness of their own body and they take care of it but it's not like oh this is me. <laughs> they're <laughs> mine. But they're, you know, being sensible. It's not like there's no um, care for this particular being either. That's also there. If that makes sense? <laughs>
11: Denny, um, I, I just wanted to say how uh, how beautiful it is just to to witness this, uh, and how um, it's sometimes when I meditate or I think like I'm I'm not getting anywhere or or whatever, and then I think sometimes it's just the act of showing up it's just that commitment and just uh to be with uh this community and just seeing you guys today it just feels so moving and and it gives me some kind of i don't know what what a radical thing this is to do for all of us (laughs) just to take time out of regular lives or i mean i and there was one uh, phrase, I forget who's, I forget your name, the the, the man in the gray. Uh, when, you, when you said, there's something about the eyes, you know, just like, I just, I love that that phrase. And it struck me like, ah, oh, there's a musical.
10: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Produced by Denny and Neil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Meals
7: up for
9: it, We'll talk later, Danny. <laughs> can I say something? Yeah,
4: sure. Yeah. can so
10: near you.
4: Sure. Yeah. yeah, well, something just came up for me is, you know, learning about the, you know, the Dhamma in itself is such a, such a beautiful and amazing thing. And to put the teachings into practice and, see how they like really do lead to know, yeah. well-being and happiness and letting go of suffering is an amazing thing but for me you know one of the most inspiring things is seeing people who have really put put the practice you know put the Dhamma to practice for years like the ayas, and um, just seeing like the beautiful wholesome qualities I come out of, you know, a a mind that's been steeped, steeped in the teachings and the practice. And to see, yeah, the, I guess the, the purity and goodness, it's just, you know, it makes me want to, me want to have those qualities and to, you know, to bring them forward, to share them with other people. Yeah. So it's, it's very, very, yeah, very important and inspiring to be, you know, be in contact with people on a regular basis, I think, who you really do do put that into practice and share with others. So thank you. Thank for, you for doing that for me. <laughs> and for this community. This is an awesome community. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Thanks to everybody. Yeah. Thank you.
10: <clears throat> Satina? yes just want to say um a couple things but i want to start off by i say such sadhu times 1000 thank you
7: <laughs> for sharing
10: um and also i i just opened it to gallery view and was seeing everybody and i had that same feeling that denny had of this warmth of yeah and how how cool we are <laughs> <laughs> Our, what conditioning allows us to think that this is cool. Um and I, I just wanted to say that because um some context. I've been staying at a at a different um bhikkhuni vihara, not too far from where you guys are at. As I said, I'm in Albany, the East Bay, but I just came back from Damodarini, which is in the North Bay with Ayatataloka, and and they have um maybe like six or eight bhikkhunis spread out in the hermitage and in the monastery mm-hmm. um so so i um i it's just been around um oh i i brought that up because i haven't because i've been serving them well during their winter retreat I've, i always want to come on live but i always get to listen to you guys on youtube so i feel so intimate with you guys already <laughs> Um, I'm hearing everyone share, um, and I just really resonate. I think with what was Andrew was saying about this level of sadha, this you know, uh, this tri- of, of understanding of sadha and faith as being able to put your heart upon, um, and just just finding that with every person, the expression of dhamma is different. Because I had this um, understanding that every person is like a expression of the universe so so in the same way i feel that with everyone the dhamma comes out as a different expression and so when you allow everyone to really express the dhamma um you see that it doesn't ever end like it doesn't ever there's never like and this is where it doesn't go into so it just right it just kind of reinforces like there's no there's nothing, and there's nobody who's not a teacher. and and um So thank you so much. <laughs> I think that's it. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Satina.
7: So this has been a fair bit about, obviously,
0: community supporting each other, spiritual friendship. um, Having diversity in the Sangha. Making making the doors open for people to be welcome and to feel comfortable enough to let go and now I don't know if people have other questions other things that have been happening other things that are coming up in your life um, you know reasons why you would show up at this meeting (laughs) as you know we've got some time um, we could meditate together which is also good but if you have questions this might be a good time to ask while
8: we have kind of the um, larger panel of monastics and aspiring
0: monastics here. I've, I've really been enjoying listening to Xander and Anagarka Sarna talking about their experiences, they're entering monastic training, and uh, at
8: such a young age, too. And, um, you know, it's just lovely.
12: Ling? Thank you, Aya. Um, I've been thinking of mention this. Um, I'm very inspired for the young um, uh, young people for going to the monastic um, uh, past. You know, I often wish, you know, I could um, get into this past much, much earlier. You know, I was born in China and, um, I am, you know, we have Guanyin at home, but I was never, inspired by the way you know just like incense and and like bow, nothing you know when i read a buddha's book in chinese i have no idea what was that <laughs> and um i only found in a buddhist um teaching and it was you know eight nine years ago when i heard uh, Ajahn Brown's talk it was just just totally kind of opened my mind and um, my, my heart. But at the time, I also feel like oh, I'm getting old. I have, I'm a single mother. I have um, a child. I, I feel like it was kind of too late sometimes, but I have to say, you know, I'm finding Aya Kema's book and also find that you was such a, an encourage for me, you know, even I'm old, I can still practice. Uh, And, and also, I remember last year when you told me, uh, and it's such a good, um, such a good thing for for my son, when I practice, that was just something really touched my heart. You know, as a mother, probably, you know, you know, the best thing you wish is good for, and the only thing I wish for my son is he's happy. And when you said that, I was just so inspired and uh, I just want to mention this, like, and even I'm old, sometimes I'm getting tired, but I feel like seeing you practice, you know, I have still kind of have a bit hope for myself. You know, I can still walk even I'm, you know, not that young and so really grateful. Um for this community um especially even I'm sort of grow up in the Buddhist um, country, but I um, really see the Buddhist teaching when you get in touch uh with this um community very grateful on the bottom of my heart Thank you, thank you, Ling.
8: yeah, it's great to see people who are practicing
0: so um diligently throughout their life or as soon you know when they come to the dhamma whatever age we come to it or whatever age and and practicing without knowing it's dhamma i mean i think about my childhood and some of the people around us in the farming community and people know the dhamma and many things about the dhamma um you know, what goes around comes around, that was their expression of karma, <laughs> you know, like, there's a, a lot of, you know, and the Dhamma's there for
8: everyone to know, and um, and I'm glad that, you know, there are these different voices, and I hope Julie doesn't mind my reference to
0: you, I can't see you on the screen right now, Julie, but I think you told us your age one day, and that's very inspiring.
8: To see you practicing so diligently at your age. Is it possible for us to go to speaker view? Yes,
4: and Neil has raised
6: his hand.
0: Yes, I know. We'll get to Neil in a second. Jolie?
6: Yes, thank you uh, for, for your comment. And uh, I, I am grateful for this. I came to it later in my life, too. And I probably was in my 70s. But uh, it, uh, I, one regret at the time uh, was that uh, I didn't find it sooner. And um, uh, certainly, um, it would have Well, I I believe that uh, uh, once you uh, begin to really study this, uh, it's not only a benefit to you, but it's a benefit to everyone around you because you bring caring and love and you you only want the best for everybody you meet. And so I would say. it's it's not only a benefit for each one of us, but it's what we put out into the world also. So thank you.
7: Yeah,
0: thank you, Julie. And would you mind telling, sharing with the community your age at this point?
6: Well, I'm ninety-eight now. Yeah. Wow. And, thank you. Uh, it, it's um uh, and, and I am finding the um the the world as that we live in, uh, it, it's really quite a burden. I'm, I'm ready to let it go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, as long as I'm here, I, I, I feel the need to keep, uh, keep working at it and, and, and putting out as much good as I can into the world. Yeah. So uh, it's a worthwhile cause, very worthwhile.
10: Thank you,
0: Julie. Neil
9: well i I just wanted to say, because you said something just before about um practicing the path without knowing you're on the path, and um I used to tell my mother a lot, um because I knew it made her crazy because she was a, a, a devout Catholic I, I used to tell her you know you're the person who taught me Buddhism and she would be like what do you mean what do you mean um, because you know she raised us on kindness and generosity and thoughtfulness which I would translate as mindfulness um, so yeah you know it's out there a lot of people don't know they're Buddhists I guess yeah
7: that's right <laughs>
0: you know, um, many of you know who Ajahn Chandasiri is. She was one of the first women to be ordained in the um, Dara order, which is the, uh, the one that Ajahn Semedo started in England. And she's, so she's been a nun for a very long time, and her parents had a hard time with her decision to become a nun. Her father really had a hard time with her having a shaved head because he was in the war in World War II. Now, she's English, and uh, he was in the war, uh, served in the war in World War II. And during that time, they um, apparently shaved the heads of the prostitutes so that they would be easily identifiable, is my understanding. And when he would see her shaved head, he could only think of that. He couldn't really look at her very hard. And her mother also, I think, was pretty uh, unhappy with her choice to be a nun. And, and many years later, um, Ajahn Chandasiri co-taught a retreat with a Christian nun, I think it was a nun or a monk, I can't remember. Uh, but it was a Christian-Buddhist retreat and her mother came. And at the end, her mother said to her, you're a better Christian than I am.
3: <laughs>
0: you know, it's it was
8: sweet, sweet to have that um,
5: understanding. Holly? I have been wondering about the experience of Anagarika Sarana, but other Anagarikas and zandar, you'll be entering into that realm. I wonder if the Ayas or the informing monks and nuns would want to share anything about that experience. It seems to me there might be some pulling back from the community family you had and loneliness and maybe feeling like you've been dropped into a void until the new world comes around you in your monastic community. I just have a lot of uh, compassion, and uh, anything you might want to share uh, would be well received by me. Thank you very much. Thank you, Holly. You to
3: say anything? I understand the part of being pulled up, or- i didn't understand
0: yeah i'm gonna restate this and see if i get it right holly um what i heard was you know this transition from going from your family life and you know being with your family and coming into the monastic sangha and how it might feel I think what holly said like you're dropped into this void until a community cut you know you kind of feel the community around you you know you're kind of like away from the what you're used to in your family mm-hmm. so any any I, any thoughts or about your experience of that did that come close holly yeah okay,
3: okay. <laughs> yeah it's interesting because in the beginning like well, it's interesting in this lifetime that the, how things unfolded for me was to uh, start started this adulting process as a monastic, uh, in, in robes, in a kind of robes. Um, that there are many things that I didn't get to do and I didn't want to do and fortunately I have very supportive parents and it's weird and i so appreciated like yeah, even though mexico has no much contact with buddhism particularly with theravada buddhism and that they don't understand what was going on you know like suddenly my 19 20 year old girl wants to become a nun and she's my only daughter and <laughs> what's that? like all the expectations around my life um since I was a baby, and like seeing this process of them letting go of that, like really shows me what unconditional love is about. Mm-hmm. And letting me come to the United States, like to another country. And like, I also, uh, this is something I wanted to point out, like, and I think it's something in common with Sanders history, like, being in our 20s and having discovered this fight is so, so great. And it A lot of it started because of internet. (laughs) Just just by clicking, um, being curious and trying to find opportunities to to live this life. Um, So in the beginning, I was drawn to try a different thing because that's the place I grew up in. Was my idea was you know to marry, have kids, and work. And I didn't have another option in my mind. But one day at the museum, uh, memory and Tolerance Museum in Mexico City, they were like oh, all these religions in the world. And I was like, oh, which one? Which one Maybe one is waiting? And what if I leave everything behind and I become a monastic? I don't know what religion, but I feel it, it's the right thing to do with my life. I don't know. So. I mean, it's been, a, a, it feels natural. And obviously at certain points it's been challenging, like to be away from family, away from the country and culture and language I grew up with. Although here we are surrounded by so many Mexicans. So <laughs> like whenever in the supermarket, I find like a, a, a Latino person, I'm like, hola! <laughs> so I can I can see even that I work with that attachment, you know, to to using my own language, to using the things I'm comfortable with, to the foods I'm comfortable with, um, to really like see oh this was all conventions, like not reality, you know. So yeah, I think it's and being at a place that is uh, challenging enough to book defilements but at the same time very safe uh, thanks to the IS to share and work with these things, you know, step by step. So I'm very grateful to having find this place and um, I hope in the future more people, Spanish speakers, can have more chances to practice as lay people and as, uh, as monastics if they want to. Okay. Can I
2: get you to talk about your contact with your family now and how they're coming? Because a lot of monasteries are much more restrictive with how mm-hmm. much contact you can have with your family and how often they can visit or how often you can visit. So, I want to talk about
3: that. Uh, to- yeah, they are, they are coming on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're going be here for next week's uh, study. So, that also makes me very happy because it's the first time. It's not the first time this year. Uh, monastic they saw a monastic in mexico and um but then and now they're coming here but it's gonna be their first time in abihara and to get to see my lifestyle and you know this was an image in my mind i had uh years ago like how will it look like when my parents come to see my life as an independent woman and, you know, like my apartment and cooking nice food and like, you know, stuff like that. And then I'm like, wow, it's like so nice that I, I can get to share um, things that I find more valuable and yeah, and that they are also interested about and they are like my mom's meditating and um, practicing meditation and uh, they mostly practice. Practice many of the precepts, at least the first one, a lot, and I'm very glad about it. So, um, and I have frequent contact with them. So,
0: yeah. Yeah, we're looking forward to their visit. Um, (laughs) They thought they wanted to stay in her kuti, (laughs) (laughs) and then she described the conditions, and they're like, "Ah, we'll get a room at the lodge down the road." Oh, they're going to spend some time here at the Meditation Center, which is more com- somewhat more comfortable, a little more comfortable, <laughs> see what we can do about beds. But you know, it's just, um, it's lovely to include parents, and of course, you most of you know that I was introduced to the Dhamma because my son became a monk. And because I, I never had the interest in going to Asia, but I went and stayed in the monastery in thailand because i needed to see my son <laughs> and uh yeah i caught the virus <laughs> it <was> great <laughs> monastic fever huh
8: monastic fever <laughs> yeah
0: did you want to say anything xander about this transition period for you yeah
4: sure sure well i've kind of been pulling out gradually from, I guess, my entanglements, um, in lay life for about the past almost a year now, pretty slowly making the transition toward, uh, monastic life. And, um, when I did kind of start pulling away more in the lay world, I definitely felt some sense of isolation and loneliness when I I was still, um, when I was really pulling away, like in this in, in fall, um I was still in school and going to a new monastery. I, I started going in um the first monastery I went to was in Seattle with uh, the venerables over there and I felt you know very I was kind of integrated into the community there. Then I came down from Seattle to to college in San Francisco. And I was visiting a bike every weekend. Um, and I didn't have a lot of friends there or close relationships with any of the monks. And I felt yeah, a sense of loneliness. Um, but it didn't last very long, actually. <laughs> Just, um, yeah, the, the more time I've spent there, um, in the warm down to meet the monks, I, I don't feel like a lack of, you know, community or family or anything like that. And I, I, I don't feel lonely when I'm there. I mean, I spent, you know, you spend time alone. I like being alone a lot, too. But yeah, I mean, I, I feel, you know, I, I feel quite held, I think, by, by the monastic community. It's, yeah, it's like, it's like getting a, a second family.
8: Wow, that makes me think of when I, um,
0: spent time in the monastery where my son would be. And I did that every year, wherever monastery he was at, I would spend time with him. And, and one of the monks early on said to me, now you are in this family too and it's it's true you know sarana's parents are in the family too and they get to use it however they want and one of the things in the tradition um in Chah's lineage that i've noticed is that parents are treated very well (laughs) when they come to visit and they're really um, they have the opportunity to ask questions and to learn to the degree they're interested. So that's a big help. I know I know, I could not have gone into a tradition that makes you stay away from your family um, and has strong restrictions of like cutting off communication that never felt like it was appropriate for my situation. Um, and as many of you know, my, my mother also, she wanted to see her grandson and she went to Thailand. She, she said she's laying on the mat on the floor and there's lizards running around the room, and she just goes to sleep. And she said, The only way I would do this is for David. <laughs> 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 Never otherwise would you find me in this situation. And, um, and she really took to the Dhamma. And she said at one point, This was the thing she was looking for all her life. So. It really like moved up the generations in our family, and and was incredibly beneficial um, to all of us. So, you know, the the hope is that whatever one's family thinks about this, they have this opportunity. And I've heard many monks and nuns talk about the challenges in the beginning with their family, Westerners in particular, going uh, into monastic life, and then. You know, later on, um, their son or daughter is the one they call when someone's dying or when something
8: happens, and, and they find real support. Any other comments or questions or
0: complaints?
7: Can we go back to gallery? Hmm. Now
8: I can see everyone's little box. (sighs)
7: Shall we meditate for a few minutes?
8: Yeah.
7: Mm.
0: During this session we tend to Talk about things
8: that are hopefully beneficial and certainly sensitive sometimes. And there's so much value in noticing how we feel with mindfulness and clear comprehension. And take notice of those things that bring up
0: um, our interest, our inspiration, our, our feelings, because it's
8: through contact and feeling that we experience pleasure pain, neither pleasure nor pain. And it's exploring these feelings and the
0: mental patterns that cause these feelings to arise that really
8: helps us understand
7: Dukkha and the end of Dukkha
8: suffering and happiness and to begin to become clearer About where happiness is found and where it is not found. So many of us talking about coming to the Dhamma, practicing the Dhamma, you know, learning
0: what real happiness is and how we discover it and how we
7: begin to let go of the obstacles to happiness.
8: To know that we all have this opportunity to, to walk this path.
0: We all have the ability to do it, regardless of what your assessment is of your own strengths and weaknesses and
8: character, you have the ability to walk this path to the end. It's important to remember that. And that maybe the journey isn't as long as you think it will be. Because Nibbana is here and now. For joining us, um, everybody. Nice to meet. You. And we're going to be
0: um, offering a program from twelve thirty to two thirty California time. We're heading off in that direction right now. We'll be uh, they're meeting with people in person in Berkeley, and we'll be online. And you can find the link. I know, you've already been through a lot today. Come <laughs> the, <couple> <laughs> the <laughs> afternoon, <laughs> too. But, but just in case, yeah. <laughs> uh, you can find the link on the homepage. And next week, we're going to have a day long at this time, and I'm hoping the link is this link.
2: I have no idea. Whatever's on the homepage.
0: Yeah, but we We want it. Well, we're going to try to, I hope we can make the link for next Saturday the same as this link. So in case anyone doesn't know, we're starting at nine o'clock. So anybody who comes to this program will be able to see, oh, they're going to do it all day. Okay. (laughs) Whatever. You can come to any part you want or any part you're available for. And it's going to be on loving-kindness. and um, I don't think I can produce the quote off the top of my head, but it's about really making metta
8: a vehicle and a basis for your practice. And so we'll be really investigating and practicing with that next Saturday.
11: Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.